0: welcome to the spiritual underground podcast this is dan coming to you as always from the studios of dtm enterprises my little wood shop in the backyard um really been uh having a busy last few weeks and uh getting out episodes and and my story came out lately and and today we have another special guest uh mike here is uh mike J is here at the table to uh tell his story of uh coming to recovery through the 12 steps here and um i really i have known mike since i've uh started coming around to our home group spiritual underground i remember i'm pretty sure he was at the very first meeting that i ever came to at the spiritual underground and uh so i've watched uh had my eye on him and 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 then eventually end up having the honor that uh mike actually asked me to take him through the steps here and that's been what maybe a year ago or so How now yeah uh so we've done that and uh really just encourage him watching uh uh, i 'll be frank and say you know for a while you had crawled in a shell that that yeah. looked like it was really tougher to get out of and 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 I can see it cracking nowadays and 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 you're coming around to uh a new level of freedom at at least that 's the way i'm I can see it happening mm-hmm. and uh yeah and, and and I'm excited for that to be going on with you we uh Josh is in the studio with us too, just to provide some extra juice it's always cool to have some extra faces in the room too when we 're doing this thing so uh how you doing today Mike? I'm doing good. Great actually. Couldn't be better weather this weekend huh? Yeah, it sounds like you've been uh, busy doing a lot of cool things this weekend so right. that's always uh, anytime I'm doing that my spirits will lift yeah. when but, I get to do things that lift them. Yeah uh, speaking
1: of being in the shell I've spent so much time in the past few years just staying isolated and I finally I've been working out of that but yesterday I totally worked out of it. Yeah. I stayed busy all day and busy with the really good things and it, felt
0: yep. great yep. yeah yeah uh, i read a little something the other day about being busy and how it can be a kind of a um a shelter in some ways but that, that doesn't certainly apply to all of us uh, i personally like to be busy mm-hmm. and uh but i can't hide in my busyness too i can disappear right. in it. but right. I, uh i know that's not what's happening for you 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 need a little more absolutely busy in your life because you were leaning towards the other extreme absolutely absolutely cool well uh i am i'm am happy to watch how it's progressing and how you're uh doing how you're coming through that low spot that you've been experiencing here lately or you know in the past i don't know i don't want to put a no real time frame on it but uh so we'll start as we always start here uh, we always start with somebody's sobriety date and, and uh let the story evolve
1: from there okay sounds good uh my sobriety date is october 25th 2012 and um my home group of course is spiritual underground uh actually was not that i had any major role to play in starting it but i was in on the start so it's been great to see it start from uh brian's basement to what 40 50 guys a week sometimes sometimes more on birthdays nowadays yeah uh it's been pretty amazing yeah so um i guess i'll just begin at the beginning um just to give you a little background i'll just go back to my childhood which i believe strongly influenced how i had to, headed to ultimately to alcoholism absolutely um i was my parents were really young they're barely 20 years old when they had me um they um there was i never experienced during my really young years any kind of alcohol use in, around the house or anything like that um my pa- I have no brothers or sisters so I was an only child obviously <laughs> yeah and uh how that plays into it is my parents ultimately got divorced when I, I was either 8 or 9 years old and I uh I that was one of the first times I had another incident when I was four that I can clearly remember when because we talk a lot about in in recovery about when we feel less than when what was the first instance that made you feel less than. Yep. And a uh, couple things. One, uh, when I was, I remember from third grade on. I guess it was about that time when parents separated and were getting divorced. That I was a latchkey kid. I mean, my mom barely made enough money for us to get by, and uh, she couldn't pay for a babysitter or anything, and so I had to come home from school, which seemed like an eternity, at, as you can imagine, at eight years old, at two thirty in the afternoon, and she didn't get home until about six. Wow, yeah. And uh, many of those years, it, that was back in the dark ages, so we didn't have any technology. Most of the time, we didn't have a television either. Oh, really? And uh, so uh, it brought about some good things, but I just remember that loneliness struck me very hard when I was very young, and then especially when my dad came to pick up his stuff and and totally move all his stuff out. I just felt I wasn't angry. I wasn't... Um, Uh, I just felt totally lost. Like, I didn't think of it at the time, but I felt all alone. I felt like I didn't, I never had the thoughts of that I caused the problem. Hmm. I know some people do, but I really never have ever felt like that because I could, for whatever reason, uh, could see with some childlike objectivity that I wasn't causing my parents to be mad. uh, And I didn't, they didn't make me feel that way. Hmm. Or didn't,
0: um, uh, put you in the middle of it. Yeah. Or they like, in, like sometimes people, people you know, inadvertently insert their right. kids in the middle of it. Oh yeah.
1: See that a lot. People, I, it's in it. It's hard enough for kids. Kids are resilient, but it's, I don't care who the kid is in the yeah, situation. Take it, on some of that. It's difficult. Yeah. And, um, I mentioned the latchkey thing, kid thing, because that just fueled my isolation and feeling like I was alone and, um, that something's just not right so I can remember back in those early years feeling that way then uh, whatever comments I make about my mom I'm not saying them to tear her down or anything but my mom had has always had a very difficult life and she was let's just put it in a mild sense she was the glasses half empty person and uh, so I picked up a lot of programming from that and uh, you know we'd Always never had enough money. We're always broke. Uh, I just I probably built up some childhood resentment because I felt like, well, I couldn't afford to get anything. I can't couldn't ask my mom for anything, so I'm just going to do it for myself. Hmm. Which the good thing that came out of it is I started cutting grass when I was probably eight or ten years old, and always had some kind of way to make money from that age. So there's positives and negatives, but anyway, it, that that. Started Melting pot, that stew that that continued to get stirred up, really uh, got a lot of negative messages about how I'm not good enough, Uh,
0: and also an error of scarcity. Right. Oh, absolutely. Everything was like at the edge of being not enough, and not just you, but enough to eat, enough to live, enough a roof under
1: your head, over your head. I did not grow up in a wealthy neighborhood whatsoever. It was very, I'd call it lower middle class up in the east side of indianapolis and uh at that time it was where a lot of people had been moving in from other states to find work uh. and uh so there were decent family family values but none of us had a lot right but all my almost all my neighbor kids had more a lot more than i did hmm. uh, and so that that affected me some again with like you said scarcity feeling like i'm not enough something's wrong uh uh, but the flip side of it was it turn you know it made me drive have some drive to take action in my life and pursue things that i was interest i had interest in uh, but that I think that laid the groundwork without going into a lot of gory details for me to end up where I was and in where I'm at, where I am now uh, i my unlike a lot of folks, um, I really never had, uh, I had a couple of brushes with drugs and alcohol when I was a teenager. Uh, I, first time I ever drank a beer was I w- had was working. I think I was 15. Uh, I wor- got a summer job working with some bricklayers, carrying hod, carrying mm-hmm. all the mortar and stuff yep. laying, sitting down the concrete blocks. That was a grueling job. It was good. Made me work my butt off, but, yeah. uh, I remember the guys would come after we left. Uh, or maybe, well, it was, no, I take that back. That was, that job, I don't remember drinking there. It was when I uh, worked for my uncle's uh, electrical contracting business during the summer. I think I was 16. And uh, the guys who we knocked off around, started at 7.30, knocked off about 3.30. The guys would always pick up beer after, the work, after yeah. work. And I said, here, kid, do you want one? And I said, sure. So I drank it that felt pretty good and then when i went into the house it dropped me off you want another one i said sure and the next thing i know i'm uh i go in the house uh drink the other beer lay down on my bed fell asleep and then my mom comes home and finds this beer bottle sitting sitting on my dresser so she uh, wasn't pleased to say the least uh but you know nothing really came of it i felt good but i never really took off with alcohol at that time yeah yeah, that, Didn't drink enough to feel bad that time, no, like a hangover no, kind of thing. No, man. no. My
0: yeah. very first one, I went way over the mark, man. and uh, Oh, wow. Felt like, you know, well, I passed out and throwed up and don't remember if blacked out, basically.
1: Wow. Yeah. Had to, and a, a brush with some marijuana and some other drugs when I was around about that age. Um, almost got arrested, um, but... Again, that kind of scared me out of it. I was always had a kind of a guilty conscience. So, uh, you know, I, I, that was enough at that time to frighten me out of pursuing that further. And uh, of course, when I went to college, I uh, did the fraternity thing. And uh, on the weekends, we'd drink like crazy. And, uh, but it wasn't every day. And I went l- the whole two and a half, last two and a half years of college without drinking anything or having any kind of substance. Um, and then, uh, and so, you know, still had all those rumblings in my heart and my mind about did pursue a lot of things because I really wanted, I wasn't like trying to get attention, but I wanted to raise my recognition amongst everybody so I could feel better about myself.
0: Yeah. yeah we all want
1: to be noticed. And so I did tons of activities in college, high school and college. And, uh, it was great. I mean, I had a lot of fun doing it. But I still had that nagging feeling that I'm just not good enough. People don't like me. Yeah, uh, I remember
0: you saying that in high school because of the isolation or, you know, or so as a result of some of that was that you started engaging in extracurricular activities in school instead of having to go home and stay at home alone. Oh, yeah,
1: I did it. And plus I worked part-time pretty much all the way through high school about 20 hours a week because uh, that was the only way I was going to get any money. To buy things that i wanted or do anything yeah make it Uh, yourself right and uh didn't turn into a big resentment it it, it fueled me to it's not a bad thing to get you up and moving no doubt about it um but you know relatively um high school and most of college uh, other than well my first couple of years in college first year and a half you know i hit the fraternity parties did those kinds of things falling down drunk puking uh had the, somebody told me one time that if you lay down in your bed and put your foot on the floor, the room will stop spinning. Yeah. That didn't work. didn't work. <laughs> and, uh, uh, but I, I noticed once I started in my first class in my major, I barely got by in the class. And I was always a, uh, you know, high B student I wound up being on the Dean's list the last two years of college. And, um, uh, but my, I, I was deteriorating. I was doing really horrible in that class. And if it wouldn't have been for a group project that we all got an A on, that I did work my butt off on, I squeaked out with a C in the class. And it was a wake-up call for me. School was important enough to me to try to do something about changing my behavior, changing my way of being uh, to move forward. Uh, I, I guess that br- brings me up to the point of... Uh, when I was 23, I'd graduated from college uh, a year before, was engaged, got married when I was 23. And uh, early on in marriage, you know, I'd buy some beer and drink some beer uh, a, a few times during the week, but that it went on a slow burn at that point. Found myself drinking two, three times a week. Uh, this is over a long protracted period of time. Uh, and then i there were times where uh where i uh would drink a beer and then uh, uh, then I'd have to have a second one, and then I wanted more, and I would sneak around so that I could drink another beer and hide it from my wife and throw it in the trash can and cover it up with other stuff oh yeah to but I never really got drunk uh, you know so that's where the excuses start uh, and i that went on for a long time and so ratchet all the way up have two children i think the third one by then when i was around 36 37 something like that uh i got the bright idea when i come home from work you know it sounds pretty good i'm going to stop by the liquor store and get some orange juice and vodka Mm. and so i mixed it together in this orange juice can um container and uh Drink it on the way home. Didn't drink a huge amount, but got a nice little buzz. And uh, just over a period of time, that escalated like crazy. Yeah. Uh, it got to be where I'd only do that once or twice a week to where, you know, you ratchet on head a, a couple of years, and I was drinking every day of the week. Uh, Were you staying on the vodka? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I w- well, I'd, I'd stay on the vodka, and I'd have beer at home, too, because I would... Go run in the house, and the first thing I'd get there was go grab a beer, so my wife wouldn't have sm- smelled the alcohol. Uh. Uh, so I snuck around. Yep. Didn't realize that I had a problem at the time, and this went on for quite a long time. But, uh,
0: I had forgotten it. Uh, a vodka and orange juice was a staple of mine too. Yeah, for a long time. Well, my- I, I, was, I, I always drank beer, but but it was one of the one. It was one of the things that I just liked. Mm-hmm. I
1: mean,
0: whatever reason, uh, I think some of it was because it was easy to hide. Was the other thing, but
1: right yeah yeah well i I think I hit it well for a while, but my wife was very hypersensitive about alcohol, she barely drank at all, drank drank, drunk at all, um, and uh but that that just slowly and gradually spun out of control uh, it was really wild i uh i would it turned into like I said, a couple of times a week to three or four times a week uh, to every day of the week and I was always trying to hide it and uh, I think in some respects I hid it pretty well because most of my friends nobody had any idea that I was an alcoholic because I really drank only in the evenings Uh, I never really started drinking during the day maybe a few times but really not on a regular basis Uh, but it, it spun out of control really over time, but in my mind, very quickly too. And uh, it escalated to the point where uh, while I was still high functioning, earned a good income, uh, was involved in all my children's activities, uh, I still, I knew I had a problem when my sons were in high school, middle school and high school, uh, because I'd pick them up or take them to a lot of activities one of my my oldest son was in a lot of sports my middle son did a lot of sports too and other activities and uh perfect time for me to drink was to sneak it in my car and run by the liquor store and down some some vodka uh, and get a really nice buzz on and uh, that wasn't enough Uh, and there were many times much to my embarrassment that i drank that i was totally obliterated don't know how i made it through um but you know like the old saying there but for the grace of god yeah uh i never had a dui um
0: interesting how the cars that's it was a shelter for me too and i thought that that was okay that to go driving and drinking was a way to right to do it because i was I could be alone and, and yeah and you kind of i don't know there's something about that like being mobile like if you i learned as uh if I would stop and park and sit someplace, somebody'd eventually take notice of me. As mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. I kept mobile, uh, I, I really didn't pick up too much attention, especially if I went rural. You yeah. know, I wouldn't I wasn't tooling around town. I'd go out in the country, uh, get some beer, get some something to drink or whatever, and be by myself. Yeah, and just drive in the
1: country. Well, in my craziness, I I uh, didn't go out to the country. I'd drive down the Waterson Expressway, juggling my Vodka and orange juice, or some. T- when in the height of it all, I just slugged down the vodka straight, Yeah. because all I wanted to do was get smashed as fast as I could.
0: Yeah, straight vodka is. There's not Pretty a lot massy, of things in the world much worse than straight. <laughs> especially the cheap stuff. Yeah, and warm too. Hmm.
1: Um. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh. So anyway, I. uh Went on that path for a long period of time, from the time I was, um, well, late 30s, till I didn't. Like I said, my sobriety date's October 2012. Uh, so I was 54 when I got sober, and uh, and got into the program. Uh, but all during that time, just it's like I said, it spun out of control. I I drank and drank increasing amounts. Uh, I would, and, uh, the insidious part of it all was not only the drinking and, and, um, uh, just all the nastiness that brings on in that brings with you in your life and how terrible you feel. But, uh, it sent me further. My tendency to be isolated, that pattern that was created with me when I was young reared its head. You know, I got, there. some things were difficult at, at home and, uh, you know the pressures of life, pressures of work I drink to calm myself down, I drink to, and I increasingly drank more and more and more to try to hide and block out all the pain and, and the frustration of things that I really could not control or could not change about other people and uh, and then it I really isolated myself a lot from my ex wife from to some degree from my kids um, and it got to, be to, got to be where all I really wanted to do was just go home and get drunk. And it, and it got bad. I mean, I was at a point where sometimes I'd knock off a fifth of vodka at night yeah, many times a week. And, uh, you know, I'd drive down the road taking my son to high school. And my oldest son, I remember, and uh, my acid reflux got so bad. That I'd break out in a really bad sweat and be in such severe pain in the morning, and I was wondering why am I having this problem? Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm plugging down, a pint to a fifth of vodka every night. No wonder it's happening. Yeah. Uh, it, it was just absolutely miserable. So the insanity of it was just uh, was crazy. But I still, for a lot of that time, did not really believe that I had a problem. I did because, you know, I made a lot of money had a nice car i was married had three kids um house Yeah out out your house all the outward things in life right, yeah. of quote-unquote success and that's not that there wasn't any good in it it was good yeah nice house two cars in a garage yep. 2.3 kids or whatever yeah.
0: the decimal point, point right. is and uh yep and everything how could i how could i possibly be having a problem uh people that have all this don't have a problem
1: right exactly yeah i didn't live under a bridge Uh, i grew up in the days where i I imagine people still do do this we call them hobos they would catch the train and a lot of those people were characterized as yep alcoholics and had their paper bag with some kind of bottle of something in it um i actually kind of
0: looked at my drinking at some point as being like a status symbol kind of thing it was something that uh like you did, if you were successful.
1: Hmm. Yeah, yeah, I I deserved it, and it, in a, I worked hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I kind of got that attitude after a while. It's like because my wife is so vehemently opposed to it all that it also became my mom. I to whatever degree she uh lectured me and read the right act to me when I was kid a kid then I would interpret things from my ex-wife that were reminiscent of my mother. Yep. And I was, I was thinking, oh, I just want to have a few drinks. Leave me alone. And she'd get really pissed about that. Yeah. And she had every right to because it was creating a big problem. And I just, it just fueled my isolation um, to where I distanced myself from her and most everybody around me. Even though I was still functioning, still working, and all that, Um, so like I said, I never had a DUI. God knows I didn't have that. uh, How that ever happened, but it did, Um, and just it it went out was out of control. I began to increase. I've always I battled depression a lot since I was in my thirties. And that's alcohol certainly does not help your depression.
0: No, nope, it is a depressant. As it, a
1: matter of fact, it numbs the pain for a little while, but it doesn't take it away, and you feel worse than you did when you started. And uh, I just went in, and went down that path for a long time. Well, a lot of
0: people come in here saying, that, you know, that are depressed. Yeah. And you, know, you say, damn sure you are, man. You've been pouring a depressant down your throat for X amount of years. You right. Know? Uh, right. Anybody's going to be depressed after doing that.
1: Yeah, I've heard from uh, Dr. Brady that uh, in almost every case of addiction, there is an element of depression and anxiety. Yeah. It's part of that brain chemistry thing that makes alcohol trigger us differently than it does a normal person, right. a so-called normal person.
0: Or his book would tell us, restless, irritable, and discontent. Yes, absolutely. Some of the absolutely.
1: same symptoms um so let's see i don't know how to delicately put this because this is not my proudest moment of my whole life but ratchet forward to win right about my 45th birthday a few days after my 45th birthday which was 2003 something like that um my wife had gone out of town and I forget what she went out of town for, but she was visiting her aunt and uncle in Virginia Beach area. And I was going to go to a Kansas Styx concert. And I did. I went, and my oldest son was about 16 at the time, so uh, he could take over as a brother and sister. And so I did. And being the cheapskate I was, I went and bought myself a pint of Jack Daniels before I went to the concert. And I downed the whole thing before I went in the concert. And I'd drunk that much before, and I thought, "This is not going to be a problem." That way, I don't have to pay seven dollars a shot for something and spend a, a fortune, show, yeah, right. Yeah,
0: it's really expensive to get drunk at a show. Yeah,
1: so I don't know what happened to this day for sure, but somehow, some way, I blacked out. I got in there, I bought myself a diet Pepsi, sat down to listen to the show, and I don't remember anything at, uh, about the show. Uh, I don't remember what happened to me or anything, but I, all I recall was, as I'm as embarrassed to say this, I went, I went out to go to the restroom, and they were, there there's a big line. So I thought, well, I'll go up to the upper level of the arena and find a bathroom there. So I went up this incline. Uh, it wasn't stairs, but it was like a place where they would ride the, the security carts around and things like that. And again, I I blacked out. Uh, the next thing I know is I found myself uh, urinating on the side of a vending machine, and all I could remember was the uh, a couple of security people manhandling me and putting uh, the zip ties on my back, and I got sent off to jail. Got mm. uh, they hit me with public intoxication, indecent exposure, and disorderly conduct, and No peeing on a coke machine, dude. Yeah, no peeing on a coke machine. Uh, And it's absolutely the most humiliating thing that ever happened to me in my life. Uh, I was so out of it. You know, sometimes, it doesn't matter whether this happened or not. It happened. Uh, But sometimes I think I might have been drugged also. (laughs) Because it was so just out of the ordinary for me. But regardless, I was in a situation I should have never put myself in. Uh, but the height of my craziness and my drinking all I wanted to do was get drunk I thought I'd get drunk and enjoy the show and there's other concerts I went to that I got so drunk I I can't remember anything from the concert yep during that period of time
0: yep I can remember being poked and woke up you know it's time to go the lights are coming back on I missed another show or at least a second the second two thirds of it or something like that and uh, dragging my ass out of once more another concert that I paid for and right Basically missed. Yeah. I uh, said so into my podcast yesterday, uh, just, once again, I way overshot the mark.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I always had trouble hitting that plateau where. Right. It would. I got to that point almost every night because I could not get the right kind of buzz or drunkenness or whatever you want to call it it's tough
0: when you're sneaking it you know because you really it's and then that's even a harder target to hit you know when you're trying to do it on the sly
1: yeah and i was always trying to hide it because my wife had this natural aversion her dad was a pretty heavy drinker i I would not i don't know that he was an alcoholic but and she had an instance where her uh one of her high school friends was drinking and drove on a motorcycle and got killed Mm. so that traumatized her traumatized her big and, um, you know, I wasn't helping her at all, so that's one of my uh big character defects that instead of being the kind of man and husband i i should have been, I was avoiding that and 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 uh, uh deteriorating that situation yeah but I just think in a way that's the, also part of that
0: isolation mode probably oh, you know? sure i mean it's uh even though you don't really. I'm not sure that you're really uh purposely processing that and i'm gonna do this uh, a a plus b equals c like you know alcohol plus this is gonna get me back to but but in a way it's another one of these numb and everything hiding uh, right if i can i can i can uh isolate in plain sight
1: mm-hmm. yeah yeah and i was it was all about hiding it for me i was <clears throat> all my drinking career as we call it uh, was trying to find out how I could sneak drinks, sneak out to the garage. Cause I keep a bottle of vodka in my car and sneak out in the garage and throw down a couple of gulps at every opportunity. Yeah. And I, in the height of the madness, I was sneaking out to the car and even if the vodka was hot. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's, you know, it's really bad when yeah, you're buying I'm cheap, that hot. cheap, vodka, cheap hot and vodka and, it's, vodka.
0: and the car temperature. Of vodka. Oh yeah. Ugh. It was nasty. Yeah, you think about that too, you know, uh, because I, I had i hid it in separate places i had a little dormitory refrigerator upstairs i had a refrigerator downstairs and, and in the wintertime and stuff and in another house i lived in i would put stuff we had uh, window wells in the basement and i put the windows i put replacement windows down there that would open there were sliding windows so that i could set my beer in the window well you know and that would keep it cold in the wintertime because it'd be out there in the in the ambient temperatures and, and here you are uh you'll know, think about how many times you went to the
1: garage you know it's like Right.
0: Just how many times does a guy got to go to yeah. the garage
1: in a day? You know, and I'm uh, sure my wife was doing? wondering that, and I didn't think she was seeing it, but I'm sure she.
0: My garage has. door here has a very distinctive sound, and, and I guess that's another thing. you have know, grown up in this house for that many years, so I mean, like that garage door has such a distinctive sound. Like if I could hear, if I heard it on a tape, uh, a recording of it, I'd know what that noise is. And it's almost impossible to do as a door. that's almost impossible to do silent too. Yeah. You know, some of that you could sneak and you can open that door and get it shut without maybe nobody noticing it, but.
1: Yeah, I'm, I spent many times in my efforts to try to hide it was come up with excuses to run to the store real quick when I was out. Yep. And uh, I'd yeah, stop in the, yeah, the drugstore and I'd start visiting different places because I thought they're going to catch on. They probably knew anyway. Yeah. Because I was, uh, there's probably three or four places I went, but I went enough that, you know, surely knew that. Yeah. Oh, it was
0: in the summertime, I would cut the grass, you know, and I'd always need to get some more beer before I could cut the grass, you know. But mm-hmm. I would tell my wife I was going to get gasoline for a lawnmower. And I always kind of like, the other day, it just dawned on me as I was telling the story. It's like, you must thought that I just went to get enough gas to cut the grass one time. Because <laughs> I needed to yeah, get right. gas and every time I went to the, to yeah. the <laughs> yeah every time it was time to cut the grass, I needed some gasoline. yeah uh, But what we really needed was a stop at the, at the
1: beer joint, Absolutely. you know. To, uh, yeah.
0: Uh, be ready, and I would set the cooler around the corner behind a tree or something to keep it out in the yard, and you know stash that stuff around so that I could be rolling around. And uh, I know there was a, probably a and you know I, I still drank openly to some level. Like she knew, right? But but it certainly didn't look like it was a quantity that was being right. consumed, you right? know. A lot. I mean, I worked real hard to make it look like maybe I had three beers when it was really nine or twelve or whatever.
1: Yeah. 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 I. I made every effort to get as much as I could to drink anywhere I went, Uh, again, I'd have to try to sneak around. I'd go to these conventions for my work, and we'd have these nice open bar cocktail parties, and, you know, I always had an excuse to go somewhere, and then while I was there, I would get two drinks for myself. I'd get it like a double shot of bourbon or vodka or whatever it was, down that real quick, throw the cup away, then get something... For my wife, and then I'd have another drink for myself, or a yep. beer, or whatever, right. to make yep. it look like I was only drinking one or two beers in the yep. night. Because yep. she would read me the riot act about it.
0: Yep. Yeah, yeah. We learned how to stack those drinks up right quicker. Uh, right. Go out to eat and like swing through the bar and get a shot real quick. You know, <laughs> when I'm you know I'm sitting at the table drinking beer at a rate that's slower than I want to be. Right. Uh, go yeah. go in the restroom, slide by, tell
1: the bartender double shot, quick. Yeah. yeah, I, uh, Crazy. It's insanity. I don't, I don't think I ever did that, but I can see how that could happen. I guess I didn't have the bright idea that, that I could do that. <laughs> but, um, yeah, at that instant when I got arrested, it was the most humiliating thing that ever happened to me in my life, especially when I had to, midnight or 2 o'clock in the morning, whenever it was, call from the jail prison, jail on that phone tried to get a hold of my son let him know where I was and you could just hear the terror in his voice and uh, I just and, and I explained to him the best as I could because I was still drunk as I'll get out I couldn't hardly hold it together at all and, and
0: covering uh, your ass at the same time right and I just to.
1: I just told him kind of what was happening I said if mom calls to check in on you don't tell her I will tell her when I went home and I when she got home and the, and I did tell her it was and then that one time was a, probably the only time that I ever came clean about anything to her of significant magnitude like that. Mm. That what exactly happened and, um, and uh, you know, made all the promises that I'd stopped drinking and um, had to get her, an attorney and do 40 hours of community service and got all the charges expunged ultimately. Or well, they was,
0: charge you with like a PI or something? Pardon me. They charge you with PI, public intoxication. Uh,
1: I could pick which one they they dropped two of the charges, and I could pick whichever one that I wanted the charges to stick, and then do the forty hours of service. Oh. So I I stuck, I just kept disorderly conduct.
0: Oh, is that what? Yeah. Okay. I was like, yeah, I was like, they get you for indecent exposure for doing that. They right. Can get you.
1: Yeah, they had all three of the charges, but and I was really scared at first, but then when I talked to an attorney, you know, I had to spin about this is you know. 20 years ago, almost 500 bucks. Yeah. For the attorney. For the attorney. But it, it ultimately got taken care of. But it did. I didn't stop drinking then. Yep. More enough. I, uh, I tried to white knuckle it myself. Did you? And I would go periods of time where I'd have a month or two, whatever. Went a long time that first year after that instance of not drinking. But eventually it would creep back in again because I was restless, irritable, and discontent. Yeah, I was totally dissatisfied with a lot of things that were going on in my life. Never really looked at it like, uh, and I internalized it like it's all my fault. But instead of doing something about it, I just put more fuel on the fire. Uh, so I I went on that, from that point, from about 2004 to 2012, so pro- eight years of where I, Tried to drink, then I quit for a little while. Drink, quit for a little while. Drink for quit for a little while, uh, and it was miserable because I uh, I'd ultimately get caught and have to try to lie my way out of it, and there was no lying my way out of it because people people knew better. So uh, that was that was equally miserable because I wasn't doing anything. Or being anyway or trying to be a part of the solution I was just staying trapped in my uh, misery in my own self and created prison so to speak Uh, till finally I had a drinking episode uh, probably late maybe the fall of 2012 right before I got so quit drinking altogether and, and got in the program where Uh, We had an argument about it, and uh, one of the times I did listen to my ex-wife and say, uh, she asked me if I'd get some help. I said, okay. And so uh, that's where I, through another friend who introduced me to Christopher, uh, Christopher was my first contact with anything dealing with recovery. Uh, I'd been to counselors for depression and so forth, but I I even hid from my doctor. I don't know how my blood chemistry stayed healthy because in a normal range because I figured by then my liver was probably getting hammered pretty bad, Um, but somehow I was able to mask all that, and then uh, the, uh, so I went. I went to see Christopher for a few counseling sessions, and probably the second counseling session. He's like, well, why don't you try a couple of AA meetings? Naturally, in the back of my mind, I'm like, well, what if I know somebody? Or was it? Well, what if, what if I had all these different fears and excuses in my mind? So I finally tr- tried a meeting, and sure enough, one of the, I, I discovered uh, a, a former business partner. We talked about it. Um, she had been in recovery for a few years before I was in, and. Uh, so that helped break down some barriers. It's like, okay, I'm not the only one. Yep. Uh, and then I walked into a, a, one of the first few meetings I went to and recognized some familiar faces. And I, my walls just tumbled at that point because I did not feel like I was alone. I felt like uh, at, because of the anonymity in the program that I knew people weren't going to be talking behind my back uh, I just didn't, I just felt all those barriers drop. I did not feel like or believe that uh, I had anything to be afraid of by being in the program. Uh, and I remember it was either the second or third meeting that uh, I attended the Suburban's Men's Group for a long time uh, before we started having spiritual underground. And it was like the second or third meeting I ever went to Mike, Mike H. and Darren F., Spoke up at the meeting, and I just bawled my eyes out because they told their stories. And they told about what they had encountered, and in many, in both cases, just seemingly impossible odds of recovering and yeah. for the life to have meaning and purpose. And um, it just, uh, man, it really helped me realize that you know, if there's hope for these guys, there's hope for me. Yeah. So. That was uh, kind of like if that
0: dude can get sober. I... Yeah,
1: yeah. And I, I immediately recognized when I, I got devoured the big book right away and saw, and as you know, I have a significant rel- religious upbringing and uh, have a theological background. And I could recognize spiritual principles in that book from the start that was comforting. And I was really comforted because it was, um, encouraged you to, or does encourage us to have an open mind, to to, to dispel our previous notions. Yep. Bill, Bill W. says, create a God of your own understanding. Uh, and I didn't have too much trouble with that. I'm, I'm fortunate, I feel like I'm fortunate in that I know a lot of people struggle with that, the God thing, um. But probably I struggled a little bit with expanding my concept of God. And instead of treating God like a vending machine, dear God, bail me out of this mess. Yep. Dear God, fix this, fix that. Uh, it's challenged my whole way of thinking and, and being with respect to a spiritual relationship with a power greater than myself. But anyway, from that, what I meant to say was from that, so for from... For about eight years, I um, just went that back-and-forth dance and finally entered the program and uh, found a a tremendous amount of freedom and and relief from the very start. Now, working the steps is another story. The first three came real easy for me. Uh, And I really didn't start working the steps diligently. Until I was at least six months in AA, um, I just I did develop a pattern of I did read the big book, I did go to meetings regularly, three, four, five meetings a week. I didn't do the ninety and ninety, but uh, and so um, I really struggled with the fourth step, where we list our. We do inventory. Uh, or do we do our inventory uh, st- because it, it. I always struggle with, do I really have a resentment about this or that? Um, I was encouraged. I know, Christopher's rule is kind of t- to try to have at least a hundred things on the list or something like that. And I was like, no way, I don't have a hundred resentments. Well, I had. I came up with sixty or seventy. Yeah. Um, and that was, that was eye-opening. It really helped me realize uh, that I had work to do. Um, this probably, just honestly, the toughest spot for me, and you and I know this from talking together, is, is the amends process. Yeah. It's not that I don't want to do amends. I just having, I have a lot of trouble, or have had a lot of trouble seeing my role in the situation and where I really harmed somebody. Right. Um, so I've made some amends, and there's one amend that I've not been able to make so far that uh, bothers me at times because I'd really like to be able to do that. And I don't know if it's ever going to turn out to be one of those where uh, to try to do so would create more harm or not, Yeah. but so we'll have to come up with some creative way to make a living amends, but I'll leave that up for my higher power to work in, in that situation and, and um, uh, help me figure it out.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I listened to a speaker this morning uh, live at a meeting that uh, uh, spoke very eloquently of two amends that he has been unable to complete, you know, and uh, he made the, the the exact right point is that he is willing to. Mm-hmm. And that's really all the step requires, to right. be honest. It right. It doesn't actually require that we execute them, although that's, that's what we're ideal. aiming at. right. The step requires that we be willing to do it.
1: Well, and 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 since then, a significant part of my recovery has been. I've gone through the past few years a very difficult time of depression, anxiety, and fear, albeit self-centered. As I said before, I've struggled off and on with depression ever since I was in my thirties, and there's. I believe in a, and convinced both from experience and from getting medical advice that there's a brain chemistry issue with that. Um, and I bring that up because for a long time I felt again less than, like I wasn't good enough. Something's wrong with me when I'd see other people around me happy, joyous, and free, and I'm miserable. Yeah. Now. I definitely had a role to play in that. And I'm only kind of coming out of the fog now. But, and I see that very clearly, but I went down a a really very, very dark place. And the reason why I bring that up is a lot of times we don't want to say those kinds of things or we certainly don't hear them in the rooms when people are in sobriety because sometimes I think we want to just tell the good stuff. Not always, but... I hear you. Um... And I felt really self-conscious and bad about that. I, I thought, how can I possibly be a, of any assistance or service to somebody else? Here I am, miserable, really struggling with a lot of issues, legitimate issues too. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it wasn't just like I was making everything up, but, and and, I, so I bring all this up just to say that in the past five years. The thing that has kept me, i am thankfully, I've not had a drink, not had any, you know, had the drug over it. Um, and when I have thought that idea or, or had that uh, uh, kind of concept, uh, I was able to fend that off pretty well because immediately what would pop into my mind was uh, that's not really going to solve any problems getting another drink or going out and get plastered is not going to solve anything as a matter of fact it'll make things a lot worse and I sincerely believe that if I started drinking again it would kill me yeah and probably a not very short order
0: The easy way I always heard somebody said it real simple was that uh, you know, let's say I got a problem and I'm gonna drink over it right now I've still got the problem right
1: and a new one And the new one <laughs> yeah absolutely absolutely and all the consequences that come with that um, so i uh, so, I've had to reconcile in my mo- own mind going through this to pull up out of this dark spot, out of this the pit of despair. Sometimes, f- honestly, feeling like I don't want to be alive anymore. Yeah. And we hear that a lot in the rooms, and we see it pan out in reality. Yes, people it does. Taking their own lives all the time yeah, too. Absolutely.
0: Even you know, with years of sobriety, they. they absolutely.
1: Do it. Yeah, you hear stories of people twenty, thirty years sober and they go back out drinking again. Or kill themselves. And, and, or kill themselves. Um, so thank God so far as I continue to do this thing day by day. Uh, I've, what, what has helped me immensely is uh, working through the steps again, uh, being diligent to stay plugged in, to go to meetings, to get over my own self-centered fears and, and beliefs that nobody really cares about me and loves me when, in fact,
2: I have a lot of people around me. That I know love me and care about me, absolutely. And uh, recognizing that within myself and admitting it, it's okay, because I had created all this false notion that people don't really love me, and because I'm going through all these struggles, that um, that I didn't have anything of value to add. And uh, I really believe I do have something valuable to add. Absolutely. And, uh, sorry, I didn't mean to choke up. You, hey, you know me. thats actually the best. <laughs> uh, but that's, that's... when you
0: know honesty has showed up.
2: Yeah. The, um... Because I... There's surely got to be people out there who struggle. I mean, we all struggle. And a lot of times we don't know what other people are struggling about. Yep. And, uh... I'm learning that I don't necessarily have to talk about my troubles to be of strength and service to somebody or don't have to necessarily verbally
1: identify with everything. Uh, One thing I've been dwelling on a lot lately in order to be service and helpful to other people is to go back to something I learned a long time ago and want to become a much better practitioner about is ask people questions. Ask them about, to tell them about themselves to me. Uh, Listen. Listen. you can understand a lot about someone else's perspective if you just listen. And uh, I think that's uh,
2: I think that's a lot of what all of us want, whether you're an alcoholic or not. To be heard. Is to be heard. And, uh, well, that's just the kind of person I know I need to be and want to be. Yeah. And uh, it's taken me a long time to get out all this stuff. So I believe that While it's sometimes very difficult to believe that everything has a purpose in your life, certain things can be turned into a purpose. Some things happen in life that
1: you can't possibly see where any good is going to come out of it. Yeah, And that just
2: happens. That's part of life. But there's hope anyway, no matter what. Uh, no matter what you go through. I see these those miracles all the time in this program. Yep,
0: we sure do. Uh, I see him on the other side of this podcast table absolutely. on a weekly basis.
1: Right, right. Um, so, I don't know that I have any major profound words of wisdom about that, but I'm just learning an awful lot over this past several years that uh, the f- things that we create in our mind, that I'll just say, that I create in my mind and heart and emotions, while they, bear, they bring up old tapes, I had a, counselor one time back in the the cassette tape age about the time vcrs were coming out talked to me about how your brain uh remembers everything and it it creates tapes and sometimes those one of those tapes plays louder than the the others yep and you know i've experienced that i think it's very true i don't i've studied a lot of behavioral sciences and a lot of theology and religion i don't have any major academic answers for that but it resonates within my spirit that it
0: could be like a jukebox you know it's yeah absolutely like, what happens like input one two three and such and such song place you know right and and you don't really have any control sometimes over something pushing your button one two three right something happens in life it bumps into it your old programming takes into effect absolutely and old song place or story or whatever you want to whatever uh, uh synonym or metaphor you want to use for that uh plays plays and 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 yeah and and knowing that help being aware of it right that that's what just happened is a big piece of the puzzle and that's part of why we do the inventory and that kind of thing so that you know today like you said you know i don't know that i think any better than i ever have really but i'm able to be aware that instead of falling into this reactionary thing of uh, like a pinball in a pinball machine where I'm just creening off of one thing into another and today yeah. I can say oh that's why I'm doing that right. hold on a minute right. stop uh, quiet that song stop that reaction uh, we're going to do it different today
3: mm-hmm.
1: one and uh, absolutely I think I always took that those tapes kind of as a defeatist attitude that I'm never going to be free from that kind of stuff. And to a certain degree, we may never totally be free yeah, from I don't that.
0: think you do. I don't think you erase that stuff 100%. I, I
1: think our tendencies are to think in this day and age is that we just want to be done with that. And I'm over that now. Yeah. Never going to happen again. And that's just not, in my yeah. experience, not true. Right. Used to, I'd get, when I heard those kinds of statements, I'd get very discouraged. But I don't get discouraged about it anymore because I recognize the patterns and, you know, through this program and through my faith, it's it given me the tools and the, the strength to be able to observe those things about myself. And even though I don't like them, call them character defects or whatever you want to call them, that I don't have to feel less than or feel like some dirty, rotten piece of dirt fill in the blank with any if you want uh, that uh, just because I have these problems or just because I feel this way or just because I think this way uh, but accept it this is a big thing in my meditation yesterday at the meditation meeting I realized is I had a new level of acceptance for what I've, I've been experiencing and acceptance of myself and acceptance of all these different things that I've been worried or fearful about and just accept them instead of trying to struggle inside to try to fix it all or figure it all out. We all have that that uh, tendency in the program, anyway, uh, that we think that we can figure everything out. It's yeah. part of that not recognizing that we are powerless over, lo- uh, over
0: alcohol. Yeah, that... Uh a lot of a lot of things. Well, the book says we could think we can rest satisfaction and happiness if we just manage well. Exactly.
1: Yeah, that's ac- uh, precisely. This
0: Need to know kind of thing where we I've got a thing where I like need to be able to. And I have I have a fix it switch in my in me. Oh, me too. And If you show me something, I mean, if uh, if you begin to tell me about your dryer is broken and not working at home, I'm already wheeling around about what model is it. And what can I do to fix it? You know, right. I do that in relationships with other people. I do that with uh, when you're bringing me something where my job is really just to listen to you.
1: Right. Exactly.
0: You're bringing me something that, and you know, I, I really, I really had to resist the, you know, the flip side of that is, is I may have some experience to share with you that could be helpful, but I got to be real careful that I'm not, uh, ended up jumping in and, and, and trying to fix your problem. Right.
1: Yeah. And that's, that, that, that's where really was my thought and sentiment when I was talking about asking people questions and not being so quick to say, well, I've experienced X, Y, Z, and I can really relate to how you feel. That, those kinds of statements are valid, but it's not about me. It's about the other person. Yeah. And, and so I just see all that that my mind's racing already because I just see all that happening, how uh, selfish and self-centered I can be even though I never considered myself to be selfish and self-centered. And, uh, you know, I've always been a big people pleaser and been over backwards to do things for friends and family. And there's nothing wrong with that. But uh, doing it to the point to where you feel like that's the only way you're going to have your worth in your life, there's more to it than that. But this, uh, this idea of... uh not fixing, managing and control everything through what I've experienced over the past few years. I've realized I've had some situations. I still have some situations right now. I don't have any idea how to fix it. But part of that, like I said, was talking about from yesterday is accepting, okay, I don't have any answers today. Does that mean I'm never going to have any answers? The counselor that I go to asks me always, every time I bring something up, what's the evidence Hmm. to substantiate? what you're thinking and feeling. And a lot of times there's just no evidence. And then you realize, though you don't want to because you're hurt, you're upset, whatever. Scared. You're scared, yeah. Lots of fear that uh, the fact of the matter is, well, there's no evidence there, so why should I be afraid? Yep. It's okay not to have all the answers. Now, we know all those things rationally and logically, but yep. That's for me, reactionary it's...
0: reactionary thing
1: been a very long time in, in once again, realizing that that in my life, that I don't have to have all the answers. I don't even know how to fix it all, but that's why we have each other. That's why we have a higher power.
0: Yeah, it's a quintessential being in the moment, present in the moment thing, you know. I mean, uh, there's so many things that fall back to that because, you know, we're worried about this thing that may or may not happen, or or we're worried about this thing we're sure is going to happen. Right. Right. and, and, we, and, and, you know, and we, we instantly go to the worst case scenario, uh, almost always. That's another trait, and I, and I would say it's an alcoholic trait, but I think it's a trait of all humans, to be honest. I think few people don't, the, few people escape the trap of going to the extreme negative uh, yes. assumption of what's going to be the outcome. Yes. The extreme negative outcome will be what I'm looking at. You know, my throat is sore. I've got throat cancer. You know, <laughs> right it's not that i just got a little that the allergies are bad in the ohio valley right right uh, um so then we do that but the, but the but the antidote to that always seems to be to come back to him i you know i ask myself that quite often you know and i ask other people that when they're in their when they're looking that they're in that fix of of that you know i don't have an answer for you but are you okay right now right and most of the time the answer is yeah i'm safe i'm okay right, right now i'm okay now yeah this other thing happens, maybe I won't be yeah right uh but but there's no sense in letting that fuck up today,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah i've had to give myself a lot of um inner dialogue devote a lot of inner dialogue to reminding myself that okay right now in this moment, do you have food to eat, clothes to wear, transportation,
0: gas in the tank right yeah uh, everything's it's
1: gas in the tank. You know, whatever. Uh, yes, friends. I'm okay right now. Yes, I have friends. Because I, again, this death spiral mentally uh, that I've been on for the past few years, again, it, and it's part of the disease is so insidious because we can get to the point, or at least I can, to the point where no, people don't really care anything about me. I've said that before. Yeah. Uh, and really kind of ingrain that um dot, that that pattern that thought pattern that that to almost becomes a full part of you uh the only way i know it hasn't become a full part of me is because i'm getting beyond it and again i go back to the the fundamental things that have allowed me to get through to this point in my life and look forward to something optimistically instead of a, a dismal future is this program the fellowship, big book, my faith. Uh, and for me, I have a community of people that uh, I've grown to really love and I know they love me at my church. And, uh, and that's extremely, all of those are extremely valuable. Uh, and again, acceptance. Accept the good that you have in your life and not discount it. I've been a master discounter all my life. Something good can happen. Yeah, but... Yeah,
0: Waiting for the other shoe to Wait, drop.
1: Waiting for the other shoe to drop or that's not good enough. Yeah. So I got to do more. Yeah. Got to have more. Got to be more.
0: But living in scarcity and not enough and not right. having enough. All that all that same old drum beat.
1: And it's not to say that having ambition or trying to move forward in your life is not a good thing. No, it is no, a good thing. No, it's all good. no problem having a lot. When, right. But when you allow it to consume your thoughts and emotions to the point to where... Uh, just because you haven't reached that n- next level yeah. or gotten beyond this particular problem or this relationship is not the way it ought to be, doesn't mean that life is over and that you have to be miserable the rest of your life. It's, but yeah, it's that's very the other
0: thing. yeah. We we tend to get stuck in a little thing of that this is the way it'll always be. Too. Yes,
1: yeah. Research shows that I I work in the investment field and there's actual scientific research that's gone on that uh, from uh, in the field that. Uh, from from in the field from psychology that says that people have a lot of do a lot of mental shortcuts and one of the mental shortcuts is that we see what's happening and we automatically project it forward like this is the way it's always going to be and that's just not true i have i fight it every day in my business because i talk to people and they're always worried about what's the market doing today what's the tariffs going to do to us what insert any kind of fear about economic or social issues and i have to remind folks especially at least the field i know when it comes to investing and i think this is a metaphor for life is that things move in cycles just because we we're encountering a certain circumstance today it may have a temporary effect on the market or whatever we're experiencing in our life may have a temporary effect good or bad in our life does not mean there's and there's absolutely evidence to prove this that it's not necessarily the way it's always going to be you know with investing it's not going to be that way always we we go through ups and downs declines Sometimes significant bad periods, and people want to d- accentuate the bad over the good. There's scientific evidence
0: yep. of that. Negative weighs more than positive.
1: It's not just a the an mass. emotional thing that we uh, intuit is right, but it's true. There's s- substantial body of research that shows that people, uh, I know in the field of investment studies, people feel the impact of a loss two and a half times greater than they have an equal positive gain. So the The more negative stuff that happens, it just gets compounded, right, and magnified at least two and a half times. Yep, that's we do pretty, that in everything. We oh, do
0: that in every single aspect of our lives,
1: right? Everything so that's, negative. It's like the molecular oh
0: yeah. weight of negative is more than positive than what positive weighs.
1: <laughs> and it's uh, for all the good that technology and uh, social media and all that stuff has done. That's good. Uh, there's a dark side and I just bring that up because that's a a current issue in our world today and and can affect our sobriety not only our actual sobriety staying away from drugs and alcohol but emotional sobriety um, is that tendency to exacerbate and uh, sensationalize things and we alcoholics are masters at doing that yep whether it's quietly within our own mind, mind and heart, or whether it's, like you said, i got a sore throat, so now i got throat
0: cancer. Yeah, the flip side of that is our little little drum we beat on. It's the, no big deal. Right. What well, we suffer from is a, a lot of big dealism of wanting to make everything a big deal, you know, that, uh, oh, no, this has happened, you know, oh, no, that, this, you know, everything's got to be a big deal, especially my stuff, right? Now, your stuff is not such a big deal.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. And we probably, I don't know about you, but I have certainly had people in my life that their problems are much worse than my problems. Yeah. I could i could be laying in bed from a massive heart attack and somehow with certain people in my life, <clears throat> uh, whatever they're going through is a lot worse. Yeah. Uh, that's human nature,
0: too. You know, goes—that's that's exactly the same thing as that negative bias.
1: Right, right. So I didn't mean to go off and start preaching a sermon or anything, but uh, it's just I see those things, all those kinds of things. I'm I'm once again relearning and re-training uh, myself, so to speak, to recognize when I see these patterns in my life. To recognize the things are not that are not good for me and the things that are good for me, uh, and to accentuate those things that are good for me and minimize the ones that are not good for me. Yeah. Uh, such as for me, I've, I've been way too stuck in watching TV, spend hours watching TV. And then that just, that just exacerbates my misery. Uh, too much time in social, social media. Uh, I've noticed a negative effect on myself emotionally. Yeah. Um, uh, And it's just an escapism. It's escapism whether we're drinking it, drinking it or gambling it or whatever. Yeah. Um, So again, I don't think I would, while I have encountered and experienced a lot of good experience, good education, some good counseling, some, uh, I've had many wonderful opportunities in my life. Uh, working this program of recovery has been the next level of creating the kind of life that I really want to have and I'm great you yeah know, eternally grateful for it because uh it, it's just uh it does require work it does require effort but it does bring about uh positive change it's like we say uh at the ends of meetings, a lot of times, you know, keep coming back. It works if you work it. Yep. Uh, Silly little cliche thing, but it's right. true. Right. Yeah, I've encountered, I uh, had a psychologist one time talk to me about how abysmal the results were from AA. And I'm thinking in my, from my experience, on the outside looking in, well, what have, have, have you been able to do that's better? I didn't say that to her, but. Yep. Um uh, Positive lasting change. Yep, and you go sit
0: around and look at meetings, and you know this is a really, uh, you know, recovery's uh, strong here in our region. You know, sure is. Go sit around looking. You know, uh, we went to. You know, we just dropped in. uh, I have a friend came in town and we spoke about a little bit but come in town yesterday for my nicotine quitting adventures you know and, right. and and we first time being able to meet him face to face and it was kind of neat to be able to do that because i've had a couple different chances where i've only known these people that are from all over the country matter of fact i knew one i know one guy that was in our group is from japan or lives in japan he's stationed there but so it's all over the world kind of thing but we had opportunity to have dinner with him but afterwards that wasn't my point my point was afterwards uh rob and i were out and we were with them, and you know it was seven quarter after seven, something like that, a little after seven. And we was like, "What do you want to do?" And you know what we said. Well, you know what we did. We What's went to that? a meeting. Cool. You know, and that's the thing, you know, to do. And we go right. in, and and neither one, I'd never been to this meeting before, a speaker meeting, this particular right. one. Okay. And she just she just used the phone and said, "How about this one? And we go in there, you know. And I bet there was a hundred people in there. Wow. You know, from all walks of life, are in there, and mm-hmm. you know, and. And you said uh, the uh, AAU is not working or, you know, 12-step recovery is not working very well or has a dismal right. result, uh, right. uh, what, rate of return or something maybe? Uh, yeah. yeah. But but there was 100 people in that meeting last night that seemed to be doing a little bit better because that's where they were sitting rather than someplace else right. on a Saturday night. Right. In uh, the same thing, you know, in, this morning, go anywhere. And so, you know, yeah. Uh, it's not saving the world right now, but it's sure do it. It's sure creating a better life for a lot of people that Absolutely. otherwise is uh, have some pretty freaking shitty lives, and not to mention that whole ripple. You know, we talk about the positive ripple effect of what recovery does, and how we have a, be able to have a positive effect on there. But man, the negative bias does actually, I believe, fall true in some of these things. And so there's there, like you said, there's actually some real evidence to it. Right. That. My drinking and using had a greater negative influence on the people around me. Sure. Than the positive at some level, you know. Sure. uh, Weighs more.
1: Probably even more than we really realize. Yeah. That's so something I'm that gonna... around,
0: and you get to do something different, and have a have that other thing uh, going on. Uh, I know that there's been a couple changes that's happened in your life, and you've made some. You know, you said that you struggle with some things of late in the past, uh, and and I don't, you know, I am I'm, I'm in this. I get in these. Uh, I guess I best the best thing, the more positive way to say it, is a synchronicity kind of thing. And what I keep on hearing, right? Well, what keeps on happening to me lately is that I can't like wrap time around things. Yes. Like I told my story yesterday on the podcast. In the timeline, if I would try to like lay this thing out in chronological and put days and times by it, it wouldn't work. Right. There's no way that that works. Yeah. But I know that to be true because I lived through it. Right. You know. And so I, then I just go, you know what? This whole time thing, and I know it gets a little cliches too about it being just a uh, time is just a it's not real. Yeah. Uh, then I'll just take that thing and say it's not real. So uh, my point back to this is, is that in some recent past, you've had some changes happen. Uh, I know that, and and, I, and I'm I, I'm hesitating a little bit about how much you want to talk about it, but I do know that there's three points that I always try, and it kind of comes back to the yeah Bill shoot Bill Wilson's deal on um, when he, when we wrote the book, he talked about you know and we use it for the framework of what it was like, what happened, and what it's like now. Obviously, you've talked about, we, we discussed, <coughs> excuse me, <clears throat> what it was like. And, and I always want to make sure if we get some of that childhood stuff in it, you know, because I think we can bypass that. I like Bob Earl says uh, in one of his talks, he said he went to see a psychiatrist, you know, and he and he started, you know, at age 15. And she said, Well, tell me what, tell me your life story or something like that, you know. And he said, Well, at age 15, I started drinking, and, and he went on and went on and went on. And you were not born at age 15. <laughs> uh, and backed him up because we have things and in, and in, in what I believe and 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 obviously I'm not uh, don't have any any grounding in this any education or anything is that we have this alcoholism thing we've labeled it alcoholism no different than we named you Mike arbitrarily you know somebody said that that is sure. Mike we say this is alcoholism that's sure. how we name this thing that we have and it and, and it just makes it easy to do. Uh, so we can put a finger on it once we, you know, no different than we say this is an apple or that's a horse. Alcoholism, we ha- I was born with it, and I can see the symptoms of it as you shared as you grew up and that isolation and different things of not feeling good enough and right. uh, living under the scarcity. And then we have certain things that exasperate that. We have things that happen in our lifetimes, whether if it's some kind of trauma like parents getting divorced or we have some kind of abuse or peer issues or whatever it is that ends up uh, causing that to be worse and, and, and take hold a little deeper. Uh, then we hear about what happened, you know, like the the how the disease will progress. Generally, is what happened, right? Right. There'll be some crescendo to right. say, okay, I got to get some help for this, right? Uh, well, well, for some people that's pretty easy, uh, you know. I, I'm, uh, for some people that's you know, I like uh, somebody else, you know, to stump my toe and spill my mimosa at the pool, <laughs> and say that's enough. <laughs> I'm done with this, you know, and that can be enough, right? Sure. Uh, other people uh, go to prison or kill people or you know have any number of way on the swing side of contra- uh, consequences uh the third thing that i always like to talk about is things that are like what i call the miracles and the things that happen that probably wouldn't be i like the way that frank says it is that this is the life that almost didn't happen yes i love it he the way he puts that uh that's the same thing as my miracle list that i have is the things that wouldn't have happened in this life, had had had, you know, it, well, we all live by inches and seconds. Uh, inch to the left, in a couple other seconds, and I could still be in prison. Yes, I could still be in prison today. Uh, had I gotten that twenty years full term s- sentence, which is highly unlikely, I understand uh, that I would get the full book thrown at me. Uh, but I could have. Sure. And I certainly had I like stumbled around and like repeat offended while. I was in trouble. It'd been real easy to ramp that up mm-hmm. and and I very well could have done that. So back to this miracle thing. I know that one of the things is, is, uh, one of the miracles I can say is just your personality shift.
1: Right. That's my watchword for the day. But by the way, I keep saying, right. So forgive me, everybody. I...
0: In the, uh, past, I don't know. i said once again, I'm struggling. I want to put a timeline on it. Right. Uh, but in the past months, less than a year, yes. in the past six months, maybe yes. so much uh, that you've had a pretty big shift in your personality and your outlook and the way that you operate and the way you uh, the way that you uh, interface and, and with others. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I'll just speak uh, frankly on like, you know, we had to retreat in last month. Right. And you were a completely different dude at this retreat. than I think two other ones you had been at right. for, yes. for a certain period of time but like you could not like be in the circle in those other two times. And this time is a complete different shift where you're, you're engaged, you're in the deal. Uh, I know there's a little bit of something. That's what I hesitate. I know there's a little bit of something we talk about. I like Brene Brown says is when we numb the good, we can't numb the bad without numbing the good. So anytime we're doing anything that's numbing us, uh, regardless, and it obviously for us, it ends up being with the drugs and alcohol but I can also do it with other things, and I can do it with things that uh, that are frankly prescribed to me. Sure. Uh, and and that are you know from all counts something that I maybe sh- could you know but the medical community believes I need. And so I don't know if you want to share about any of that kind of thing that might be around or any other miracles. I know that another miracle I know is that you've been a uh, you've been able to play a role in your mom's declining health. Yes. Uh, at, a, at a place that I'm certain you wouldn't be
1: able to if you were still using. Oh yes, yeah, and absolutely. probably
0: not as effective as you would have said six months ago or a year ago. Yes,
1: yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, one thing I, I I'm not worried about my anonymity about this, but uh, talked about the journey of dealing with depression. Yes, I have taken antidepressants for a long time, and uh, during this recent uh, storm uh, didn't help a lot Uh, I've been totally afraid to totally get off of them because there have been times honestly I was so depressed that I wasn't gonna hurt myself but I sure felt like I didn't want to be on this planet anymore and I was also taking I've had started a few years back having severe anxiety and panic attacks and so I was prescribed a benzodiazepine for anxiety, and uh, I talked with uh, Dr. Brady about it too. And there was not any big concern about it, though it can be very addictive. And uh, for, for whatever reason, I never had any desire to take it to make me feel better. Actually, over the period of years, it caused me to really go into a fog, it just exacerbated everything that I was experiencing. And let me just say this if anybody's out there listening, I'm not saying. Do this on your own. Consult with Wise Medical and, and, your, and consult with your sponsor.
0: Same as all the rest of these things. We oh, don't do any yes. of this alone. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we, we always seek appropriate help and, and advice and counsel before we make sure. any kind of changes like that.
1: Well, we, you and I talked about it a lot for a period of time before. I just Even though my anxiety has been very high and I was afraid to get off of it, I didn't like what I saw happening in my life. It kept me in a fog. My reaction times on things literally was worse. My memory was worse. Uh, and, uh, and, you
0: know, that fog was visible. That's one of the yes. big changes that I can see in you and I'm alluding to. And I just didn't really want to, like, totally take you there without your permission. Sure. No, that's uh, quite all right. But uh, but that's, that. it did. It had a fog. It had you oh, absolutely. In, a, in a place that at times you'd look at you and you're like, you know, you weren't here.
1: Absolutely, and,
0: and now when I look at you, the lights are on in there. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and I don't see that old closed door, mic that used to be there, right? Uh, the lights are on, and, and you're open. You know, you're bright today.
1: <laughs> yes. Well, as I said, my for a period of time, and I have my times. Even before I came over here, I got really anxious again. Yeah. Sure. And but I'm in a position now where I can think a lot more clearly. Uh, my memory's getting better. Um, I've been off it maybe six months. And by the way, that's something I had to literally wean myself off of over several weeks. I tried to do it over a few days and that was really bad. And then when I got the wise idea to uh, call my doctor about it, I was advised, no, 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 you don't want to quit cold Turkey like that. You do it over six to eight weeks. Yeah. Uh, And I can speak from experience. Absolutely. That was the wrong thing to do to try to cold Turkey. I, I was, it was. I thought I was going to go out of my mind. Honestly, yeah. Uh, but it's certainly my thinking has become a lot clearer, and I've been better able to face my fears and my anxieties and take some action about it, even if it's just a little action, because our greatest tendency, well, my greatest tendency is. If you can't fix it all right now, then it's just not worth the effort.
0: Yeah, I'm not going to do anything. And we all are, we're all or nothing people. We're
1: black and yes. white
0: people. You know, there seems to be, we don't see the gray. And
1: uh, I think it, maybe it was you, uh, somebody else. I know you've, others have talked to me about this, and somebody else posed the situation to me a couple of weeks ago. Take an inventory in your life of what's not working and ask yourself, essentially, what are you going to do about it? Um, uh, and look at, also look at what's working and eliminate those things that are not working in your life. Yep. And for so long, I just felt hopeless and powerless over it. And that, that medication was a big influence on being, uh, keeping me in that state. Yep. So for me, uh, didn't fix anything overnight. Still hasn't fixed some of my circumstances, but those, are, those take other solutions. But it has made a huge difference in my thinking, my ability to fo- follow instructions, follow suggestions that we give one another in this program. And take the already the experience in, in education and education and background that I already have to know how to do these things, to do them for myself. Yeah. And recognize that Rome wasn't built in the day. Certainly I hope some things, as we all do, change quicker in my life than then maybe they will happen, but uh, that's okay. Like, uh, I always heard all, I heard back when I was a kid, that statement of living one day at a time. Yep, it's an age-old concept. But I always rejected it because it's like, I can't do that. How can I do that? Well, the only thing I've been able to find in, in this program is to literally do it. You just have to bring yourself back to the present moment. Have we as we've talked before yeah and
0: we've got lots of practices that help us do that meditation is right. a practice that helps you stay in the moment that's really what meditation is well that's, that's really been, what it on a very base level that's been you know, practicing for a few minutes every day hopefully right of being right here right now some days that practice works better than others yes uh but the fact of the matter is is that i'm practicing it every day and if i go out and hit a golf ball for 15 minutes every day i'll get better at it Right. If I shoot a basketball for 15 minutes every day, I'll get better at it. If I shoot my bowl for 15 minutes every day, I'll get better at it. If I meditate for 15 minutes every day, I'll get better at being present and staying present in my
1: life yes. moment by moment. Yes. Yeah, that's, that's another thing over literally the past five or six months. Started up. attending a group meditation meeting that's just, for me, been very powerful. Right. I've always had difficulty... Trying to meditate on my own, Mm -hmm. and I still struggle with it. I'm not good about doing it every single day. Mm -hmm. Me neither. But there's something about group meditation for me. um, There's something magical about it. There's uh, there's power in a group. Period. The power in and
0: peer pressure works for us. Yes, because it keeps your ass in the seat. Yes, because you don't want to get up and walk out of the middle of meditation. (laughs) Well, you know, (laughs) if I'm sitting at home, I got that option. I believe. To get up and go change the laundry or whatever else might need to be done in the middle. But when I'm sitting in that meditation meeting or in a meeting of a group of people, Mm -hmm. uh, it'll keep me there. That's a pretty simple little thing that I found, at least for me when I first started meditating, was doing it in a group. Kept my butt in a chair.
1: Well, I know it was suggested to me for a long time to go to that, and I kept resisting it. It's all that part of that isolation and yep. once i really did it's become a very powerful force in my life
0: and that dynamic of when somebody brings you something you know we are all i think i believe we're all guilty of that when somebody brings me something that works for me and i say mike have a piece of this yes instantly i go no i reject <laughs> right. your shit right. and i'm like no i got right. this you know so i was like man you really ought to come to this but not me i didn't say this it wasn't me but mike you really need to come to this meditation meeting you know you're going I have something to do it on Saturday morning or any number of,
1: you know. Yeah, which, in fact, I didn't have anything to do that Saturday morning. And I'm not saying that's what happened here, but that's just an example
0: of what what I do when somebody, you know, for the longest time on that Tuesday night meeting, I had a friend was telling me to come to this Tuesday night meeting. And, you know, and on Tuesday mornings, I sit right across the thing from him and I'd see him every day and he'd say, you ought to go to that meeting with me. And I'd go, thanks, buddy. (laughs) But no, thank you. I have something else I do on Tuesday nights. I wasn't doing nothing. But I could not accept this guy's invite for months. Yes. And it ended up being like revolutionized my whole damn recovery. You know, it saved my life finding that Tuesday night meeting. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But for a long time, I said, no, thank you. And I mean, and I really joke around about this. And I've said it a number of times, I think on the podcast and in other places. I mean, that comes down to like when you bring me something like if you could bring me a plate of chocolate chip cookies or you bring me, you know, something like that. Like, Josh to offer me a, a combo pretzel, you know, and I go, no, thank you. You know, hell yeah, I will eat the whole bag if you turned your back. But when you hand it to me, I will, nope. Yeah. It's a funny dynamic. It's it a, really is. We're weird creatures sometimes.
1: Oh, and I've been, I've I've wasted too much time in my recovery not heeding the suggestions of yeah. other people.
0: So, you know, where that other thing that comes around, you know, and I keep on getting all these different, like, wisdom things because I'm because I am beginning to be open to this stuff you know and that's never, like in uh yoga is where I've heard this and I'm I know it's other places but it says be a yes mm-hmm. you know that in my yoga practice the guy who does that Baron Baptiste is a guy and in his book and he's even got some some stuff in there one of his core principles is be a yes say yes to things you know quit going no right no yes that won't work for me I don't like that and, mm, I'm suspect about that huh. Yeah, man, I'll try that. If right. I don't like it, yes. so that I don't do it again, right? Right. Or maybe right. I need to try it two or three times.
1: Yeah, usually, in, and, and in those, give it a shot. Every and if instance, it doesn't
0: sit with me, well, then okay, you know, maybe yoga wasn't going to be something I like to do, you know. But it turned out it was. I and think in most inst-
1: no, most instances where you're invited to try something like AA, for example, yeah, uh, you know, if you go one time and say, "Well, that that sucks," I'm not yeah. doing that again uh you haven't given it a fair chance you don't really don't know how something is going to impact your life till you give it a sincere effort
0: yeah that's another thing i always say about like coming to our particular home group i'll say the same thing and then you know with that when my kids started going to alateen which is another one of the things that's on my miracle list is that my kids in they engaged in that early on in my recovery uh it was a little bit of a function of they didn't have a lot of choice sort of although they did but uh they were big on said you know one of the things in their little tenants in their welcome packet said please come to six meetings
1: yes that's
0: good that's great come to six meetings if you don't like it but give us a chance and come we'll ask you to try six times before you make up your mind
1: right yes and so
0: i kind of land on that today with other people because the same thing you know people another one of the ones that's really tough is uh people who are looking for help for their loved one that really need to like be going to some kind of al-anon or something like that you know and they'll go to one, and they won't like it, you know. And uh, Yeah, I've got a friend yeah, right man. now. I,
1: I don't know the whole circumstance, but their son is in the throes of alcoholism. And uh, I've encouraged them to seek out Al- Al-Anon or some kind of support group for because I know they're very distraught about the situation. This This young man's probably, well, young man to me, he's probably about 40. And uh, uh, I know it's just tearing the family apart. and all those feelings of did i do something wrong Is it my mm. fault I can't you know that's just natural yeah
0: and our their fix-it switches are getting flipped and they're unable yes. to
1: fix it uh so i've really emphasized to them and i would emphasize to anybody you have to take care of yourself too you do that's if you don't that. you're not going to be
0: what you need to be another core principle man you want to change the world you want that out there to change you got to change. you got to change, yes. <laughs> I have to change me. Because well,
1: ultimately, that's the only thing we really that's have control over. That's the only thing I over. do, yeah. Any, and and, and, you know, and what I
0: control. find, and as we find, is that when I do actually do that, all that stuff does change. Now, whether maybe some of it's just my perception of it right. really didn't change. But but it changes as far as I'm concerned. And, uh, and and a lot of it actually did change. Yes. As a result, as a direct ripple result of, of, of me operating different in the world some other things are operating different too and mm-hmm. we all can take credit for that tssr is another place for people that need Alanon or need to have loved ones kind of thing you know where you don't really have to have any qualifying conditions right. pre-call
1: mm-hmm.
0: pre-existing requirements conditions. oh well yeah or, pre-existing conditions. Yeah, pre- yeah there's no prerequisites there's no you can just come and do it right whether wherever you're that's one of the things i liked about the 12-step yoga stuff and just because they said if you are Struggling with uh, alcoholism or addiction, or you're affected by somebody else's. Well, there ain't many people can escape those two statements. True, very true. Few, but.
1: but another, um, I just have to say, uh, another miracle that I probably wouldn't have been here for, should I, if I would have continued down the path I was on, or certainly not been present and available for, is the birth of my granddaughter.
0: There you go. His yeah. first
1: grandchild, and um, yeah, man, it's just. Uh, you never. I never thought about it a lot, but you have in the back of your mind when you start having children that, well, someday I'll be a grandparent. And you yeah. know other people that are grandparents. And why once it happens, you, it's it's bringing you back into the day when and rem, reminds you of when your children were young. Yeah. I haven't been around babies for years, and yeah. it's just a cool experience. Yeah, that
0: freshness of that is really cool. Yeah. And especially, to look at, like, look especially at her innocence. Like the arm distance of the grandparent, too. Right.
1: <laughs> to look at her innocence and... And see that life forming and taking on growth, and just watching her change. She's three months, a little over three months old right now, and that's the past three months have flown by. Yeah, that's definitely a a miracle.
0: Absolutely, that goes on the miracle list.
1: And and I
0: consider—I'd say, you know, I encourage every time I get a chance to do this, man. you should write this stuff down, and I don't mean the you, Mike. I mean the you collective out there listening, you. When these things happen, no matter how small or how big they are, mm-hmm. put them on a piece of paper, man. Yes. Write them down. I keep a note of them in my phone, and then I actually send that note to myself once in a while so that I can keep like a backup copy of it. That's great. Uh, and, and, you know, however insignificant they seem to be, uh, no, no different than like doing inventory. When you write it down, there's some power behind that. And I can promise you that Like my, my miracle list is getting to be a couple pages long. And it's just bullet kind of items. I got a whole story behind every one of them, mm-hmm. right? Uh, yeah, but uh, I encourage I, everyone a to make How a you, make a miracle list and go back and think of some other ones too. You know, hell, I need to
1: do that myself because
0: meeting certain people, you know, me meeting Spiritual Underground was a miracle. Sure, and, and you know, and and uh, my sponsor and you know other other things. Uh, the way this support group has evolved, yes. I, mean, I don't know. I don't know any other guys that's got to each other at the level we got each other. No,
1: no. It's very easy for, especially we guys, to have our tough exterior or walls up, and we don't want to be vulnerable. I got this, and yeah, I got this, and and uh, sure taught a lot, a lesson of humility to me. Not not humility like I'm terrible or awful, but just humble becoming more humble to be vulnerable with people and then learn to within my own self train myself to accept the fact that that's okay for me to be vulnerable like i teared up earlier yep uh instead of feeling self-conscious and like nobody likes me or 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 somebody's going to think ill of me vulnerability is a great thing and i see that happen a lot in our group yep uh guys really Talk about real things. Yep. Real issues. And when somebody breaks
0: something out, somebody else has always uh, you know, got a me too story with it. Yes. You know. Uh, rarely somebody got their they're the only person that's experienced that, but we sit on it. We don't want to share it and then somebody gets it out and then you know, then you got a group of guys. Oh yeah, hey man, I right.
1: I did or I've had that happen
0: or whatever, you know, me too. Mhm. Mhm.
1: See, um, well, I, and again, I, I just, I don't know if I phrased it this way, but when I talked about getting off that medication, I consider that a miracle, uh, cause I was pretty resistant to doing that for a while. Um, uh, you know, fear, fear of what are going to be the consequences. I had had some bad experience of changing medication in the past and mm-hmm. it was really bad. Yep. And so I was afraid of that, but you know, I, it's a little miracle in life. I'm reading a book, uh, I forget the author's name, but it's called The Miracle Equation. Hmm. And it talks about uh, having unwavering faith and giving extraordinary effort. And those two equal to miracles. And the miracles being not necessarily in the realm of what we think of a miracle, somebody mysteriously is healed of cancer, or uh, but how... Extraordinary things happen when you uh, exercise your faith. Or, like I was thinking yesterday, I just need to really take the risk in a couple areas of my life and just accept whatever happens, and then put forth the effort. Uh, and the extraordinary, extraordinary effort can just be something as simple as. Uh, going to meditation and getting these insights and one little bit of t- tidbit of insight enlightenment can cha- change your whole perception, which then can ca- catapult you forward to, uh, having greater things happen for you in your life and, and not only your own life, but the lives of those that you're around. Yep. That ripple. So, um, I think the other, uh, for me on the line of M- miraculous is coming out of this fog and this serious pit that I've been in for several years. Uh, I stayed persistent doing the things that I knew to do, like staying engaged in this program, stay involved with the fellowship. Uh, for me, staying involved in my church, uh, not enough reading like I used to do, but I'm tooling that back up again, uh, things that I know that I can do to take action to make progress. Uh, you know, there are times where I've gone to meetings. I don't want to go, uh, the retreat, you you know, you mentioned how I was more engaged for a few days before that. I kept having those same old feelings. I don't want to really want to go. Yeah. And I'm really glad that I did. Uh, it was. Some of that
0: anxiety, like coming here, you said you was nervous. You know, had some had some wrap, some feelings wrapped about about coming here, and I You know, he says, well, things are, mm, you yeah, know, those are normal feelings, right? right? Uh, yes. The the deal is to walk through them, face exactly. it and, and, and walk into it, and, and then like you know, you nobody know hurt you, <laughs> you know, yeah. you know nothing went bad, and you get that positive reinforcement from having walked through it, and you can walk through the next thing. I just like that statement.
1: I, that's a good, good statement of walking through something. That's what I'm walking through all this stuff now. Yep. Intentionally as opposed to passively sitting around expecting things to change when there's nothing. You know, I'm not put, putting forth any kind of effort per se uh, to do it. Yeah,
0: and taking those actions like you just said. I heard you say that earlier, you know, too much TV. Yes. Well, you know, you said I'm not reading enough. Well, there's exact direct one of these things The Buddha said it. Uh, at least it, you know, I've, I've been reading some things there that like a whole lot of things have been attributed to the Buddha are all but not necessarily accurate. But
1: yes, I will, yes, we'll
0: continue to attribute it to him if it's that's good enough. Who really gives a shit who said it, right? Uh, this set down the things that no longer serve you, right? Right. And and uh, that has been my experience is I yes. set down things that no longer serve me, and sometimes it's hard to set those things down. Uh, but if I set them down and, and make room for something new, I always get some payoff for that, you know, and I know the world ain't necessarily wrapped up around my payoffs, but but I need that. And I need that positive reinforcement and the things that happen to me as I, as I walk through this stuff by setting things down that don't work for me anymore that I know in my heart might be okay for you, right? And that's what I'm, the other thing is, you know, just because I'm setting sure. it down, I'm not sure. criticizing. It used to be that when you were setting something down that I did, I took that as some kind of rejection of me, right? Yes. Uh, I no longer do that, uh, or at least I don't do it as bad as I used to or something. Uh, But it was something that's not working for me anymore because I sat down TV a long-ass time ago, man, and and it was actually forced on me at some level. Uh, What it was is when I was on home incarceration, I was looking for ways to pay for the ankle bracelet because it's expensive.
1: Mm, Yes, you told me about that. TV was one of
0: the optional things. you know. I couldn't really turn off my electric. Right. (laughs) And I couldn't really turn off the heat. And 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 some other things like that, but I could turn off the TV and save that hundred and something dollars a month on what I was paying and I just never turned it back on again
1: excellent Yeah, I think um, I like that again like that statement walking through something uh, Little example yesterday. I probably had the best day that I've had in years uh, Because I took action to do things that I was not previously doing nothing monumental but number one, I've been way too sedentary for several years and, and I've, and definitely give yourself another 15 years and you'll, you may experience this too. If you do that, uh, you do reach a point where your body changes as you get older. And I've lost a lot of bodily strength all over my whole body. Yep. A lot of muscle tone. So I went and got some exercise yesterday, went to the gym and, Spent a little bit of time on the elliptical, did some weights, and tried to exercise different muscle groups in my body. Nothing nothing major because I, I don't have the strength or stamina to do it anymore like I used to. So you got to uh, start somewhere. But, you know, 30 minutes, 45 minutes that I spent, it really did. I, I used to run many years ago, and I would experience that runner's high, the endorphins just that little bit of exercise compared to the fact that I wasn't doing anything at all for a long time. It's really a great antidepressant made a huge difference. And then going to the meditation meeting, I'll always get some kind of insight, even if it's a rem a remembrance of something that I observed or learned before. Yeah. Uh, and got outside and helped a friend, a couple of friends a little bit with something and then went to the gun range with my son. So, uh, instead of staying parked in the apartment watching TV, and movies and stuff, I mean, yeah. there's nothing wrong with watching a movie or two here or there's there. Or absolutely nothing. Watching wrong with some that. TV, but, but there
0: is something wrong with that if that's what you're doing all day. Spend the hours. Say that's wrong. And I, I,
1: yeah, absolutely. I spent several years just parked because I didn't know what to do with myself for the weekend. Yeah. And nobody's going to necessarily tell you what you need to do. You can ask for help. Ask for suggestions. But you also have to be willing to take those suggestions and put some shoe leather into it.
0: And I think in your gut, you know that right? Jordan Peterson says that too. You know, if you, you sit with yourself for a few minutes and ask yourself some questions, you may not like the answers, but you know what they are. And, and you know that like, and I'm not, again, I'm not you and you across the table. I'm doing this as a collective you out there. You know, if you sit there and you think, man, I've been watching TV way too much. Well, that's going to be the truth. It's kind of like the same way of people coming in AA meetings and you're wondering if they're alcoholic. You showed up here, buddy. There's a pretty damn good chance <laughs> that you got something to do. You got some issue to deal with. Now, the magnitude of it and where you're at on the scale may be different, but uh, you sit around and you got that in your gut going, yeah, man, I really shouldn't be doing this. Yeah. Or I should be doing something else If there's more to it. You know, uh, what that other thing, you know, I don't want to, yeah, I would like to, and that's okay. My intent is not to add years to my life. My intent is to add life to my years.
1: Yeah, excellent. Yes.
0: Good thought. Good thought. And by doing that, taking action and get up and go out and do things that are good for me. Mm-hmm. There's a momentum building thing there. There's that, that, that again, I'll quote Peterson again on that uh, compound interest in personal growth, man absolutely if you do just a little bit every day it's a shit ton of stuff after a
1: year yeah that and back i found out with
0: you, my yoga practice you know i mean it's, it's just exponentially done things for me that i wouldn't even begun to thought that right. it was doing for me by showing up on a yoga mat for an hour a few times a week
1: mm-hmm. yeah that uh that just again reminds me of that comment you made about uh all or nothing it's uh it's very easy to be trapped in, and I'm just speaking for personal experience. What's one day of working out going to in, do? For in the thought, in, yeah, the thought of all these insurmountable, seemingly insurmountable what's the problems. Use? What's the use? And uh, you know, if you can't all be fixed right now, even though we don't necessarily think that thought are consciously, that's it's your that how it, you're behaving. Yeah. It's it's brewing. Yep.
0: And and that compounds also.
1: Give yeah, and giving yourself permission to take care of yourself give yourself permission to even if it's some simple little action just do it yeah uh that's been huge just in the past few months for me yep as as much as you'd think someone at 61 years old would have this stuff figured out nope uh those when those tapes play again and you listen to them too long it can uh Sap your energy, sap, suck the life out of you. Yep, one well, of the reasons
0: you know, and, and I'm hoping that I can continue, uh, and I fully intend to, you know. But I, obviously, I'm uh, this, uh, you know. I, don't, I do take my, I try not to violate the one day at a time rule. Yes, it, more than necessary, but part of this stuff is so that to do the things for my me today, so that in 15 years or whatever, you know, uh, those habits are established. And right. I'm not trying to establish them then. You know, I feel like I've lost enough time. I'll be 50 this year in August. And, you know, and, it, and it's like, okay, uh, uh, it's time to start living. Yes. This other thing and, and, actually, and, and get the most out of it. You know, my sponsors taught me no, lim- no limits, man. I can do anything I want to do. Just got to get up and do it. Yes. Yes. I hope, uh, so you joined the gym.
1: Well, I'm I'm on a trial membership, but I think... Okay. Good, good. Let's that. join.
0: Yeah. All right, good. So that's uh, you know, There's another little dynamic I noticed. I do some bartering for my yoga. Okay. I will work for the yoga studio at times. Uh, I am not as motivated to get in the studio when I am on bartered yoga as when it's come out of my paycheck. Hmm. When I pay for it. Sure. When I pay for it, I'm like, yeah. Well, like when I haven't, Better I get just there. did some work and paid right. for it. Uh, i'll go yeah you know eh, no big deal get some skin in the game that's another thing we have to do there's a there's a funny dynamic there too man if you don't have some skin in the game it's uh tough for us to to have a lot of follow-up well what else you got we're at uh we're we're getting at that kind of time so um one thing i always do and christopher reminded me too if you have any you know concluding thoughts uh, I don't think I did the commercials at the beginning of it. I think I just took off and started yeah, talking. Yeah, that's, but that's right. not a big deal. It's uh, they're they're unpaid commercials anyway. So uh, <laughs> I'll give it's mostly uh, yeah. I'm not going to worry about that. I'll catch it at the end.
1: I just random thoughts keep popping in my head. I I was um, had a conversation like I said this week with my counselor, and I don't remember the exact context, but we were talking about being willing to take the risk to 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 make to try different things, to do different things, to make changes in your life. And it occurred to me this morning that I've been sitting around for years struggling and agonizing over a uh, particular work situation, employment, what I want to do with the rest of my life. And instead of really taking concrete action, I've just sat around a lot not doing anything to try to make it any better because I've been afraid, largely afraid of what can I do to make the money I need to take care of all my obligations. Yep. And, uh, I've been too afraid about that. Not, not being able to find something that I can make what I thought to be enough money. And the thought came to me this morning is to, uh, be willing to take the risk to do something that's more in line with what you believe in your heart you need to do as opposed to uh, just doing it for the money. I had a friend of mine tell me years ago, and it it was very true in a particular business partnership situation I was going into. he He advised me, don't do it just for the money. Well, I did it thinking about all I was thinking about was how much more money I could make. And I did make more money, but it turned out to be a very unpleasant experience. And I had to terminate that after about four years, uh, so basing your decisions, I'll just say for myself, basing my decisions purely upon pragmatic issues like how much money am I going to make uh, is not the full part of the equation. And that's, that also comes back into the, uh, for me, and what I believe this program teaches us is to, that's part of the higher, our higher powers role, is to guide us and direct us and things can happen and work out where you don't possibly even see a way. Yep. So let go of preconceived notions, let go of fears, and just be open to all possible opportunities and see where they lead. Yeah, man. As opposed to trying to figure it all out by myself, like I always want to do. Oh. Uh, that's liberating.
2: Uh,
1: I have not operated under that uh, that belief or or thought pattern for several years and it's very freeing so and again that's a little miracle for for the day yeah well cool
0: mike well i'm glad you got down here we've been kind of wrestling around getting you a time slot sure but it come popped up really quickly when it happened yeah i'm glad it did yeah me too so uh i know there's people out there who are going to benefit from hearing every story we have including this one hope and, so uh, you got you really do have a lot of wisdom and a lot of uh, recovery experience to share here and, and I'm glad you've done it it's uh it always uses me up to sit here it's again Good. like you was just saying something about you know I'm not making any money doing this right I like what hope to I actually you know, I'm keeping that door open sure uh, but I'm not it's not why I'm doing it and it's a thing you just similar to what you just spoke of as you were sitting there you were kind of ringing my bells I got some things going on in my life that are aligning with my soul. Mhm. They're not necessarily aligning with my pocketbook. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. And, and and I have to have some faith that this is uh being led this way. It's not a matter of that I've chosen it. Uh, right. It's it's a it's more of a Yeah, lead. in our
1: our society, we the the whole American work ethic and positive thinking and all the things that That Not that there aren't some values in that, there truly are, but we think that we are the master of our own fate and that we're kind of our our own little island, that we can just figure it out and do it all, and you can be anything or do anything you want to do. Well, that's only true if you're open to the possibilities that perhaps what you want to do or where you want to be may take you down a different path than what you expected and you have to be open to it if you're not open to it you may you may miss a miracle in your life
0: you can drive yourself into a corner miss the forest for the trees all those old uh sayings too right yeah man well cool well i think we'll close this thing up okay unless you got something else you want to say
1: I just hope what I'd I've said. i you
0: back. You know, that's the other thing about this, even though what I'm finding out is we do these things and we end up with two hours or so of content, there's always more to say. Sure. Uh, but, but but I think that's a good window. I went a little bit long yesterday, longer than I wanted to, and, of course, I can be full of, uh, <laughs> I can talk a lot, so uh, it didn't yeah, surprise me a lot. Um y'all check out uh spiritualunderground.org, please there's uh, pictures of the guests there's a uh, little show notes on there you can see put the faces with the names and uh and there's also a contact me page on there if you have any questions and you want to provide me any feedback i welcome feedback on the podcast uh i don't feel like i get enough of it i'd love for you to shoot me an email and uh it if it's long short or whatever uh something's not working something's something could be improved Uh, Any suggestions that direction I am open to listening to them Uh, If you want to be on a podcast you can contact me that way. Also, we're still looking for more guests and uh, and uh, TSSR 12-step spiritual recovery. There's a book out in Amazon uh, By James Christopher Cohn. It has the 12 steps opened up for everyone or for those who are currently in 12-step program uh, maybe a uh, another level of of uh, another level of recovery you might be able to achieve by working the steps in this manner i think you'll find that to be the case um once again it's 12 steps spiritual recovery at amazon it's available in a hard copy or on a kindle version uh and finally darren frank's music wraps around this podcast it's the lead-in tunes you hear and uh a whole song played on the tail end too if you hang around and listen for it uh, thank you all for listening to this. Thank you all. The listenership keeps growing, and uh, I keep on being encouraged by that. It keeps me sitting down and, and, and recruiting new guests and, and and continue to provide content on this weekly basis. So uh, as I've said many times before, thank you all for allowing me to participate in my recovery in this manner today. Peace out.
3: From the outside looking in, you see the cup where you place a dollar. From the outside looking in, just a man in dirty clothes. It never enters your mind. that he has no home to go to It's just the way it's always been From the outside looking in But from the inside out You don't hear him cry out cause he's lonely You don't see as he hides his shame You've never felt his doubt Or the pain of going hungry You just turn away and dig in From the outside looking in From the outside looking in All you see is just a soldier From the outside looking in You wave your flag and sing a song You don't hear the screams in distant lands watch the innocent children dying the world's as good as it's ever been from the outside looking in but from the inside out you don't still hear the bombs exploding You've never seen your brothers fall And when the lights go out The enemy starts advancing And you're home safe in your own skin From the outside looking the outside looking in She's just a little girl On the playground From the outside looking in She only seems a little sad You don't see the bruises on her arms Or the pain that she's hiding. It's so easy to pretend from the outside looking in. But from the inside out, she trembles at the sight of her father. no different when you're on the outside looking in from the inside out we can learn to love one another can't see it's time to begin from the outside looking